Hello, Emerging Writers. Welcome. We're so glad that you could join us today as we sip tea and discover our inner storytellers. My name is Stephanie, and I'm joined by my best friend Kayla and my sister Jordan. Hello. Hi. This week in the Blanket Fort of Tea and Writing, we'll be discussing dialogue. Because how the heck do you do that, am I right? Well, not like that, obviously. <laughs> you ever notice yourself skimming through a story just looking at the dialogue to piece together what's happening? It's difficult to balance dialogue. There ne- it needs to feel authentic, but... You also need to take out all of the unnecessary elements that we tend to add in writing. You don't want to read a bunch of ums and uhs as we typically do while we speak. Yes. We all do it a lot. (laughs) Yeah, those pauses are very, they seem pointless. And I always notice them when I'm reading because everybody kind of writes them differently. So there's no like set way to do them. And it's always different. I'm like, oh, that's how they write that sound that someone just made. Like, Mm-hmm's are always written weirdly. They are. And it's They're always, always written different. differently. Yeah. Even though, uh, well, maybe we're finding out right now that we think it should be written differently, but it seems like an MHM thing and that's it. I think mine's more of an MMHMM. <laughs> we probably all write them different. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm such a concise person. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. If it's a longer M, it seems like, mm-hmm. And then that it's got would be like attitude. four M's for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think those are definitely things you want to limit. Unless, like, you have a character that is nervous and you're portraying it through, like, stammering or something like that. But you also need to not overdo that because it can be very distracting and annoying to read. Yeah. You need to find that balance even with the specific characters. But if that's part of their personality, then dialogue dialogue is definitely going to be one of the places to help portray that. Yeah, I think you can do a lot through dialogue if you pay attention and do it right. You can portray a lot about your characters. I feel like dialogue really defines personality more than... Well, it defines personality quicker than a lot of other things in writing. And the way that you write dialogue distinctly with characters can really add to characters' likability or whether people find them annoying or not. Because there's Mm -hmm. definitely characters that, like, do good things and move the plot forward and are kind and likable and then just talk in a frustrating way. And I'm like, "Mm, no, thank you. How a specific character talks and what they talk about is a really great way to show instead of tell what a character is like, what their personality is, what sort of things they value, where they come from. Yeah, I think that's one thing where you need to have a well-rounded character so you know their background and their location they come from and their personality and their culture you need to really know that about your character so you can accurately write what they would talk like because obviously they not all your characters talk like you and you if you have all your characters just talking the same way it's really hard to tell them apart and you have to use a lot more dialogue tags i think in really good writing you can tell who's talking without dialogue tags just from the way they speak Because obviously we all speak very differently. And if you can give them their own sort of word choices they use or speech patterns and do it right, you can do a lot of work with that on getting your characters to come across as who they are without dialogue tags. On the one hand, yes. I would say it's really important to master the art of giving each character their own individual voice. And I don't know why I said on the one hand, because that's just a a definite. (laughs) Uh, In theory, definitely makes a lot of sense in practice kind of hard to figure out until you're really good at it Mm -hmm. um so a few things that i would say to try 
and focus on while you're figuring out what that character's voice is and how to distinguish it from others is thinking about do they have specific word choices that they use? Do they not curse? Do they curse with silly words? Um, some people have specific phrases that they tend to say a lot. Over the years, I've I've cycled through a few that I would just say all the time for some reason. Like they were specific to me, and those would be kind of like a tell of who was talking if they started out with a specific phrase or word choices, stuff like that. Um, you can also look at what that character's level of education is or what background they come from like culture and what effect that might have on the way that they speak, how polite they are. That can also be influenced by setting though. Um, and if they have like a specific rhythm or rhyme, because everyone speaks differently, like we all take pauses in different ways or um, just, I don't know, we all just kind of talk differently. Everyone talks in a unique way. It's kind of like your handwriting. Everyone's handwriting is different, even though we all learn at the same time in similar places, but everyone's is unique. Yeah. I found that adding more to the uniqueness, I often go overboard a little bit in the first draft or not at all. And then I balance it out better when I'm editing. Dialogue is not my strong point, which is probably why I've been so quiet for the last couple minutes. But, um... I really find that dialogue is something I have to fine tune through a couple of drafts because it's super easy to either have everyone sound the same, which is usually just however the writer sounds, mm -hmm. or to have everyone outlandishly different. Yeah. And you're like, why would there be this many this different people in the same yeah. room? <laughs> um, accents and slang and catchphrases can get really gimmicky really fast. So you have to fine tune a lot of that through editing and getting someone else's eyes on it. At least I do. It's definitely overused advice, but that doesn't diminish how helpful it is. Uh, once you're done writing the dialogue, you should definitely read it out loud mm -hmm. because it might sound okay in your head. But when you start trying to say something out loud, your tongue will start like tripping over things that are really awkward. Or when you're finally hearing it out loud, your ears are like, huh? That sounds really weird and inorganic. A lot of times dialogue is something I'm not particularly confident in. Um, I just feel like I've, a lot of my characters usually end up sounding the same until I have a character that I really clearly envision in my mind. I'm like, ah, this is how they would talk. And so I'll have a handful of characters that I feel like for no particular reason, I know better than other ones that I've randomly thought of. And so they get their own voice. But a lot of times if I'm home alone, uh, I'll just like make up scenes in my head and then just start acting out scenes out loud and running through dialogue things out loud and just making that up as I go. And then that ends up getting written down. And those usually end up feeling more organic to me. Yeah, because you're doing it out loud and it's coming from a place that's not just your imagination. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I kind of have an advantage since I mainly write fan fiction because I have source material to look at. I mean, I have an original character I use and I know her super well, but I can't imagine having all the characters that she's interacting with that are, you know, Marvel characters being somebody I had to make up and give a voice to. That would be so hard. <laughs> How am I ever going to write a whole book? <laughs> yeah, when I'm doing fanfic, I often will kind of 
start off and give everybody their little dialogue and then go through and like watch a movie. One of the Marvel ones that features whoever that person is heavily so I can get their voice in my head again before I go back through and kind of make changes. Some of them I have a good view of them in my head already and I don't have to do that, but not all of them. There's too many and they're all very, yes. (laughs) Thor is a very specific voice in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That's one that I can just hear and I type and I get all weird and flowy and poetic. (laughs) (laughs) He's so fun to write. Um, But like Tony Stark is hard for me because he's kind of like biting and sarcastic and that's not really how I talk. You should just envision me. Yes, I should. I'd be like, how would Stephanie say this thing? <laughs> That's perfect. You're I'm welcome. totally going to use that. You should have that. complained about this sooner in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I should have. <laughs> uh, well, that takes the guesswork out of that, I guess. <laughs> that one character. <laughs> now I just need one for all the others who I can base them on. Maybe that's what people do, just kind of base it off someone in real life. Do you guys do that? Yeah, I would say that the characters, I have the easiest time... I mean, outside of ones that, for some reason, just randomly pop into my head, I'm like, ah, this character's perfect, and I know exactly who they are. The ones who, in some way, are based off of people I know, even if the character doesn't end up being like them very much in personality, just because I started off with the idea that, oh, this is a person who reacts in this way to these things, somehow my brain is like, I understand this character immensely greater than I do any other And now when a situation arises where they're acting differently than the person I know would, in my head, I'm still like, no, this is this character. So they end up being unique, even if they're based off of someone else. But for some reason in my head, I understand their voice better. Once in a while, I'll have characters that are a little bit inspired by people I know in real life. But in general, I tend to maybe uh, most of my characters are either my own thing or it's very very loosely inspired by like an archetype of a character that I've been reading a lot of or watching a lot of lately like I'll watch a couple books with I'll watch a couple books I'll watch a couple of books in my spare time (laughs) I'll read a couple books or watch a couple movies with the same sort of like terrible villain and then I'll be like yeah I could write a villain like that too and turn it into my own thing, but mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty uncommon for me to base it off people I know because I just feel a little uncomfortable with that. I'm like, oh no, but I don't want to change them, but also <laughs> you don't want to just mimic them. Yeah, that's hard. I think one that I've based on someone was uh, my character's mom is based a lot on my own mom, but she is very different. I was reading through it again the other day, trying to get myself back on the horse of writing. And I was like, oh, okay. So this isn't exactly my mom, but there's just some little mannerisms, I guess, that are similar. And a couple of things she says are kind of similar, but she also is very different from my own mom. I think it might help me with my characters to pull more of that into my own writing, actually. But one thing that I've struggled with with dialogue recently is to not only have the because I'm writing right now a couple really heavy dialogue and character interaction scenes. I have like three in a row that I really want to get through and I might just skip a couple and come back. But uh, not only do the characters need to sound distinct, but all of the dialogue 
needs to still fit the world that you're writing because mm-hmm. every book is its own version of the world even if you base it off of the real world or current times it has to fit within the flow of the rest of the writing and within how like harsh or violent or like soft your writing your world is and so that's been a struggle to balance between both the style of each individual characters and then the feeling of the world of the book. When writing dialogue in general, um, the typical advice is that it needs to feel realistic. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean it needs to be realistic because as I mentioned earlier, people talk in really weird ways. It needs to feel like someone could actually have this uh, conversation while taking out all of the, the pieces that are unnecessary and don't move the plot forward. Um, And I was watching a Brandon Sanderson (laughs) lecture because that's how I prepare. Also, they're really good. Um, I need to finish watching those. They're very good. They're very informative. I highly recommend they're on YouTube. Um, But he mentioned that you need to choose your level of realism for the story and then just make that consistent. And I think that fits in with what you were saying about it needing to fit the flow of the story. Um, because you're going to have different levels of realistic speaking to fit the world that you're creating. I keep nodding, which I just realized is not helpful for a podcast. <laughs> but yes, I agree with all of that. It's the level of realism that your world is set at, at your dialogue also has to match. Uh, I would think. I would think. I would say, and I am thinking, that as long as the dialogue hits important points and then flows where it doesn't feel awkward or stilted, then I guess it's as successful as it can be. Like, it needs to move the plot along. Otherwise, it's unnecessary and just needs to be taken out. It needs to display parts of the character like if it's not actively moving the plot forward then it needs to be giving us information about characters uh it needs to have a purpose for being there yeah you don't want just small talk that does nothing and someone just walking along and every person they talk to in a hallway or something because most of those conversations are meaningless and you don't really need them and it's going to be boring for the reader i will say say uh, there's a lot to be said for dialogue that focuses on character development rather than plot, but it's very specific on the sort of book and genre that you're writing. But character development is also going to be giving you information about the character. And then usually if that's the focus of the story anyway, then it is helping the plot. Yeah, I was agreeing, but I said it in a very argumentative tone. (laughs) And I I, got defensive. (laughs) I think that just points to where I'm at today in life. (laughs) Um, Like, I agree, but I'm not happy about it. (laughs) I agree, but I think I could phrase it a little better, Stephanie. (laughs) Oh, okay. Recently, I was rereading a John Green book, and I noted, like, how many scenes were not specific towards a plot, but more so just about character interaction. And I think that that uh, that can be really engaging in dialogue, but takes a certain certain fine tuned touch with dialogue and characterization to make feel purposeful instead of pointless. <laughs> mm. I think that's just the case with dialogue in general, though, because mm. it's it's such a hard thing to write when you're first starting out. <laughs> I mean, with everything in writing practice makes perfect, so you're n- no one's really ever going to be good at it 
when they first start out. Yeah, I agree with that. My dialogue has come very far from what it was when I first started. I was looking back at something the other day, one of the first things I wrote, I was like, oh, this is not good. These characters sound like weird, stilted, not human beings. (laughs) I don't know why they're saying all this stuff. It was a lot of pointless filler that I just thought sounded good. And I think as you practice, you learn what things you need to cut away and not write and it's just something you have to keep trying because it gets more realistic every time you write a new story or write a new character. One of the nice things about dialogue, though, I guess if you care about that, uh, it's one of the places, I mean, in fiction writing, you can break a lot of the typical grammar rules anyway, as far as like punctuations. You can do weird things with sentence lengths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can have like fractions and then that's fine people don't care as long as it has like a specific rhythm within the story but with dialogue you can break them even more because you can write it the way that someone would say it Mm -hmm. so you can have commas in places that like grammatically shouldn't have a comma because you need to portray that oh there's a pause here there's a pause here Mm -hmm. you can cut off words or like contract them in weird ways or you can do a lot of different things to get across how someone is speaking. And I would say be careful with some of them. You don't want to use weird contractions all over the place or disuse (laughs) contractions all over the place without purpose. Or be like Wuthering Heights, which we were looking through for examples, and have one character that has just these huge uh, M dashes throughout their sentences with weird meaningless breaks signifying his pauses, I guess. It was very uh, distracting to look at. Speech impediments, like... Um, repeating words or stuttering, stuff like that. They're not as easy to write as people would think. A lot of times they're done in a very jarring way that's not realistic. Yeah, I agree. I've noticed a lot of that lately. For some reason, the stuff I've read has had some stutters or different things that aren't really realistic. It's like, okay, well, no one just stutters the first, like repeating the first sound of a word a couple times. Like that's not really how that works in real life. That's not how that comes across. But I think those are things that people don't really tend to look into what it actually sounds like. They just kind of go with whatever the old trope is of what it sounds like or reads like, and they just stick with that and it doesn't ever get any better. There's usually particular sounds that are difficult for the person to pronounce, and that's usually what they trip on. And there's ones that are more difficult in general to do than others. And so they're pretty typical for those sort of, um, I forgot the word that I was trying to say, but for like speech impediments, those are the most typical sounds to happen. And if it's just someone being nervous, they're probably not going to stutter in that same way. It's usually going to be like repeating and starting over and like trying to get on the track of their thoughts, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds a lot more what it should read organically. One piece about dialogue that I find can be really interesting and engaging when done well but I find really tricky is that if you have villains or more immoral characters there's a lot that they can convey that's uh like morally opposed to your main character or to your general like moral and themes of the books and I think it's uh when a villain is just nasty (laughs) whether that's being like foul or cursing or using slurs or or just saying things that are despicable or like talking about their evil plans or whatever that 
sort of villain you're writing, but when their dialogue conveys that, I feel like it can be really powerful because it makes the reader find them also morally despicable. But it's hard to do well, especially if you're going to use insults or slurs or even just themes and thoughts that really oppose you as a person and writer and your main character. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not gotten very far into the books and I haven't watched much of the show, but when you are talking about villains who like the dialogue that they have is really uh, impactful and showing how nasty they are as characters, uh, Ramsey Bolton came to mind right away from Game of Thrones. Hmm who's just a really nasty character and some of the dialogue that I've seen through him is just really unsettling and disgusting. And um, then of course, Joffrey Lannister Mm -hmm. is another character who is really well written in that regard. But I've in general heard that uh, the characters in those stories are well written in general. Like he does a really good job at differentiating the different characters Mm -hmm. and giving them all different voices. Yeah, I've heard so much good about those books, and I just can't quite get into them myself. But I think those are good examples from at least what I've seen of the show, at least the early seasons of the show. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's difficult, too, because you have to, as a writer, decide how harsh of a world you're writing and how nitty or not how gritty it can be. Because, you know, there's some types of violence, there's some types of insults, there's some words that you might just decide to not write, to not bring into your world, either because of your audience or your own personal views. And it's like, how far is your line going to push it? And then it's also difficult because within the dialogue and within the story and the action, you have to really oppose it and make it clear that that's a villainous, awful thing. Mm-hmm. Because it can, it can get easy to, I, I've read a lot or watched a lot where the villains are awful, but the world does not properly treat that as awful or the narrator or what have It's kind you. of glossed over a little mm-hmm. bit. And then at that point, you're kind of just saying, well, this is a normal part of wor- the world and we don't need to examine it, which I don't think is a great morality to take with most books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I do think villain dialogue really is tricky. I would say that's what I struggle with the most. I think a lot of times people tend to kind of gloss over their villains in general. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their dialogue ends up being uh, not especially especially helpful in uh, recognizing who the character is. They're very generic lines, just like villainous things like, ah, I'm evil. <laughs> ah. <laughs> just things like that, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. that video I made you guys watch of Tom Hiddleston where he's like, I am the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I think you have to be really careful about not letting your characters just become a weird person who speaks in cliches and just says little buzzword things. And you need to try and make them actually have an original voice and something to say so they're not just a weird conglomeration of what everyone talks like in media or something. Yeah, if you don't, if you make their dialogue very cliched and unoriginal, then the character themselves will get kind of lost in those moments because you won't really know who's speaking. Like if you 
don't use dialogue tags, which it's good to get in the habit of being able to write long spans of conversation that don't have those because they can get really redundant. If you don't have those and then your characters don't have original voices or distinct voices, then the reader can easily get lost on who's talking when. And that can be a really big problem because, first of all, you've lost your reader. And second of all, now your scene is very muddled and you don't really know what's going on. Yeah, I notice it when there's a lot of like back and forth that's very short, like, yes, no, are you sure? Why? Like that sort of thing. If people don't use the tags and they just do that sort of weird trying to drag a conversation out of someone talking and don't use their dialogue tags, it gets so confusing. And then I always have to go back up and look and say, who who's talking here? Who started this? Let me try to count out the lines to see who's oh ending gosh. it. I've had that happen a few times where I'm like, I have to go back to the original paragraph where you're setting out who starts first. <laughs> and then I have to count and be like, okay. <laughs> I find that to be really easy with shorter dialogue too, which also I feel like oftentimes isn't quite necessary. If it's going to be a short back and forth for more than like three lines, usually... Like, it's, it doesn't need to be in abundance in most novels. Mm. I've read a couple of probably urban fantasy or YA authors in particular, where there'll be, like, every couple of chapters, a back and forth where it's a bunch of short dialogue of, like, well, we shouldn't, well, we should. And I'm just like, this is not engaging. Yeah. I feel like uh, with the specific examples you guys just gave, Obviously, I have am not reading the things that you're vaguely thinking about while you're bringing this up. <laughs> so I can't definitively say that this is what they're doing in those scenes. But if you have a scene where people are going back and forth, like that sort of argument, like very short answers back and forth, like, yes, no, we should, we shouldn't, that sort of thing. Uh, probably that doesn't even need to be dialogue. And it can be summarized as like they argued. Yeah, because yeah, you don't have to spell everything out. No, and you, and you shouldn't. It's insulting to the reader to give them all the information. And also, we don't talk like that in yeah. real life. A lot of times, if someone asks you a question, you might not even answer it straightforwardly. Yeah, like, you kind of just agree for the sake of agreeing and moving along. You don't, nobody argues as much as people argue in books. It's <laughs> yeah. like, maybe someone comes in and like, we should go to the park today. Mm, it's raining outside. And then that's their answer for no. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like when there's arguments that happen in books, instead of it being longer bits of dialogue, oftentimes it's a short amount of dialogue and a lot of body language and facial expressions and like storming out or like angrily doing the dishes and being silent and not answering. Like, I feel like those sort of arguments are a lot more normal to the average person. Yeah. They're more realistic. Mm -hmm. And way more abnormal to see in books. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're doing any sort of dialogue where it's characters going back and forth with stuff, um, obviously there's the dialogue tags, but as was just brought up by Kayla, break it up with action points, especially if there's going to be long sequences of people talking. People do things. You don't want <laughs> to have them in this weird void standing there really still not doing anything while they talk back and forth. That's not what people do. They fiddle, they touch things, they do things. They aren't fully engaged in the conversation. They're going over and 
I don't know, cleaning the counter. Maybe this is part of the argument and that's their way of like disengaging from the argument is I'm going to go clean. I'm going to wipe this Mm -hmm. counter and I'm going to disengage a little bit and you can just yell at me. Like people do things and react physically to conversation. Yeah, I'm a very visual reader. So when I'm reading, I'm imagining almost every scene in my head. And gosh, when people don't properly put in action points and expressions and stuff like that, if it's written with mostly dialogue and not much else, it starts to kind of read in my head as this like stage play of people, of like actors pretending to be people, (laughs) which is not the sort of visualization that I think any writer wants me to take from their novel. (laughs) I also personally prefer um, either no tags or action sort of Mm -hmm. tags when reading dialogue it just feels more organic to me like there's an actual scene going on uh if you're going to use tags my recommendation is to go with said or or asked if it's a question Mm -hmm. because especially with said um the way that our brain interprets it is like it's just a function word like it's there for a reason and we recognize that and so oftentimes our eyes just glance over it And you want your tags to be as unnoticeable as possible because they're Mm -hmm. not what's important. If you need to say that they exclaimed or they shouted or other weird suggestions people give in place of said, then you've done your dialogue wrong and you've done your action wrong because those should be already portraying to the reader how someone is saying it, like with what emotion. I feel like my least favorite dialogue tag is like she joked because I'm like, oh, no, I should know it's a joke based on the dialogue you just wrote. You've done something (laughs) very wrong. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I feel like most of them really don't belong in novels. And if if you're going to use a dialogue tag other than said or asked, it should be very rarely sliced into a novel like one or two a chapter if if that and if you do notice them at least try and think of a different way you could say because there's a hundred percent a different way that you could be writing that line so that it's not there Mm -hmm. um in addition to because it made me think of when you said she said or she joked or whatever Mm -hmm. if you need to say something with an ly like describe how they did it with some sort of ly statement like jokingly she said jokingly she said flirtatiously you wrote it wrong Mm -hmm. those should never be necessary to get a point your crop to get a point your cross (laughs) to get get my point your cross (laughs) yeah instead of flirtatiously it should really be like she said as she brushed brushed their arm and yeah her eyes or whatever tucking her hair behind her ear or whatever yeah yeah add in some action I think that's she one of the her leg. <laughs> as Stephanie rubs Jordan's leg. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think that's one thing where that adage um, show don't tell yes. comes into play and is one place that it really makes sense because you should be able to explain the way your character's saying something or doing something with like physical cues or things, action, you know, that's going on. That should be enough to cue you in on what is going on and how they're talking mm-hmm. rather than using those words. Yeah, whoever popularized the writing advice that you should never use said is just 
Wrong. Wrong. They're pointing you in the wrong direction and don't listen to them. Yeah, they've done a writing crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they need to go to writing jail. Let's hunt them down. <laughs> Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go to writing jail. <laughs> uh, we should make writing Monopoly. <laughs> that sounds like it could get really complicated really fast. Just like writing. <laughs> Every single, like chance thing you get you have to write some sort of prompt or something anyway so regardless of the amount of like tips you get on how to write dialogue it's you're never gonna sit down at the screen or in front of your notebook with that information and be like i can perfectly put this into practice now I understand the mechanics. I understand it in a theory. Now I can do it. Oh, yeah. That comes no. through editing. That is definitely mm, something editing that... Editing and time and practice. Yeah. And the nice thing about writing is that practice doesn't always mean writing in itself because you can absorb media mm. and then understand it better. Mm -hmm. With dialogue, my personal recommendations outside of writing, but in order to learn both how conversations actually happen and then how it's effectively portrayed. I recommend watching movies or reading scripts with the intent to analyze those scenes and see what sort of things the characters are saying to each other and also becoming an eavesdropper. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in the mall on a bench with a hat on and Sitting listening. in the mall, going to a coffee shop. I know that that's a cliche, but genuinely going to some venue where there's going to be a lot of people interacting and just watching and transcribing just transcribe everything that you hear in like one conversation and see how the people talk and then you can kind of compare those notes with whatever you take while watching movies or reading and seeing effective dialogue there and seeing like what's taken out what's important what are the key elements of conversation that makes it feel realistic mm-hmm one thing that people don't do is refer to people's names and say, oh, Stephanie, I'm going to do this. Stephanie, would you like to go with me somewhere? Stephanie, you're, you know, that sort of thing. They don't say someone's name pretty much at all when they talk to people. Like, if you're looking someone face to face, you don't say their name the whole time. Like, you know who you're talking to. But I find that a lot sometimes in dialogue. They'll just refer to the other person's name the whole time it's like nobody actually says those things out loud constantly that's that's not a thing that you do and that's there, something to take out there are some people in my life that I use their name so infrequently that sometimes when I do I feel like it's the wrong name oh my gosh <laughs> like my fiance's name is Michael and I'll use his name to you guys so that everyone knows who I'm referring to but when I'm talking to him if I call him Michael, it feels like I'm saying the wrong name and I panic <laughs> a little bit inside every single time. Did you guys hear earlier in the kitchen, uh, Brandon said something to me and I said, what, Brandon? And I never say his name. And he was like, why did you call me Brandon? <laughs> I, I feel like when you use someone's name, when you're directly talking to them, it's it's really emotionally charged. It's when someone's really angry or being really like emotionally vulnerable in some way yeah it's like a weird emphasis mm -hmm. that means something to people yeah. it's not like 
Steph, will you pass me the water? It's more like, Steph, how could you? Or like, I'm just really going through a hard time, Stephanie. (laughs) It sounds like I just said something really mean to you. (laughs) But like, it's always, you know, when you're really sad, when you're really upset, when you're expressing love, like, oh, I love you, Steph, reads a lot better than just I love you. Mm-hmm. Which is my go-to because it's less emotionally charged and people freak out less at it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you're getting someone's attention, then you'll probably say their name. But if you're looking them in the eye, having an active conversation with them already, yeah, it's probably usually more charged. Unless that's just their typical dynamic. But I would say that in normal conversation between normal people... typical conversation between typical people (laughs) you're not going to refer to each other by name especially more than once Ooh, i would say one addendum is in uh, settings where you're trying to show extra respect Mm. like if you're addressing a professor or Mm -hmm. if you like you know you would say like per professor why can't i can't think of a single last name mcgonagall thank you (laughs) (laughs) you would say that or like like Dr. McSteamy. So <laughs> Thank you so much, both of you. Uh, you would use their surname as signs of respect, but that's But the... even then, you're not going to do it throughout the conversation because no. it's not organic. It's still going to be that, like, insert getting their attention sort yeah, of a thing. Yeah, that's fair. But I do, I do feel like I would say the names of, like, teachers or doctors or people a whole lot more than... Than, like, your friends yeah. or something. I think I might be a really bad example for this because my professors turned into my friends. <laughs> so our our professional relationship very quickly degraded <laughs> into me like, yo, sup? <laughs> Did you get that cute cat picture I sent you? <laughs> oh, that's great. Eh, well, you know, I didn't make school friends in school, but I made friends with the professors. So it's better. It's better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're the ones who write my letters of recommendation, so it's okay. <laughs> so, now we pass off to you guys. This week, instead of posing a question, we'd like to see some of your favorite bad dialogue scenes. Join our Facebook group, Writers Emerging, or follow us on Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter. Links in the description. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.